0: Welcome to episode 14 of Tracking Our History, brought to you from the turrets of the Marine Corps Vietnam Tankers Association. Before we begin the interview, I would like to clarify some potential conflicts within these interviews. From time to time, you may hear the same firefight described by two or three different tankers. Each tanker could be in a slightly different position. They could be in reserve. They could even be on the same tank. If you read stories of the same battle from a grunt's point of view, you are surely to get a different perspective. In fact, you may get two differing stories on the identical firefight from the same tank, but different tankers. Please do not fall into the trap of thinking that someone is embellishing the firefight. It is simply different personal perspectives. As mentioned before, firefights are deeply personal and highly chaotic. There really is no disagreement, just varying perspectives. I encourage you, the listener, to view these different stories as part of the sum. Put them all together and the listener will get a more complete view of the firefight. The operative phrase here is, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And now, to one of the most intriguing of all our interviews, the Wanch family interview. Once a Marine, always a Marine. In 1968, the Eagle Globe and Anchor was pinned on my lapel. Now, 50 years later, we are still all in it together. And we never forget. And my point? Our guests tonight are special members of our family. Judy Elsner Wunsch is the oldest sister of Captain Michael Wunsch. Ted Wunsch is his brother, and Suzanne Johnson Wunsch is Captain Michael Wunsch's younger sister. Captain Wunsch was the CEO of Alpha Company, of which I was a part. Judy, Ted, and Suzanne are going to share with you their experiences and memories of Captain Wunsch, memories of years past, as well as their experiences in his absence since 1969. What's interesting here are the three perspectives of three siblings, all different ages, each with his and her own memories and experiences and recollections. It is the story and experience that so many of our listeners share, the story of the extended family, the brotherhood of our USMC tankers. It is the story of those who wait at home and how they also serve. Welcome to our podcast, Judy, Ted, and Suzanne. I'd like to start by saying that while the podcast episode is focused on your brother, Captain Michael C. Wunsch, it's also about you, the family that surround him, grew up with him, and the family that remains without him. Certainly the three of you, and also the extended members of your very close-knit family. And so I want to acknowledge that this subject, talking about it, can certainly be emotional, and so I want to respect that and remind each of you but you are welcome to share as much as you feel comfortable, take whatever time you need, or, of course, let me know if certain areas are things you'd rather not talk about. We're in this together. As you begin, please mention your first name and your relationship. That will allow our audience to get a bit of a handle as each of you speak. So let's begin. Let's start with the lighter side of this story. I'd like to ask each of you about your memories of Michael in younger years, moving forward in time to when he was at the Academy and then forward still when he entered into the Marines. And I want to give each of you the opportunity to speak about whatever you're comfortable sharing. Tell us, then, what's your memory? what you remember most about Michael. What kind of brother was he? What are some of the memories that stand out? Judy, you're the big sister. Uh, and uh, let's start with you and then Ted and then Sue. Yes, I am the big sister.
1: Um, I'm Judy, I'm two years older than Michael would be. um, Michael and I watched as Ted joined the family and then Michael and I were, and Ted of course, were old enough to uh, all be together when years later Suzanne joined the family (laughs) as the baby And they made me pay. (laughs) Yes. So Michael and I um, went with mom and dad from an apartment in Philadelphia to a row house in Philadelphia, Um, a little row house with a living room, a sort of a dining room, general area, a little teeny tiny kitchen and two bedrooms upstairs, one bed. We, I always look back and say, we were citizens of Philadelphia in the lower middle class neighborhood. The men and fathers in the neighborhood were workers, most in a local factory. And I've I've worked for the Philadelphia Transportation Company, starting off at a lower position and ultimately working his way up to superintendent of all rolling stock. So that's our background in terms of family, um, um, inspiration, what we, what we experienced in our early neighborhood. Um, We had, um, in those years, because that was World War II, we had whatever entertainment we came up with and so i remember distinctly that michael and i would entertain teddy over the banister of the upstairs sometimes with puppet shows sometimes with marionette type shows marionettes being our stuffed animals or my dolls tied onto ropes over the banister and making up our stories Um, we lived at a time when um there were no big huge backyards in a place where we lived. We had this little small postage stamp. In the summer we had a galvanized tub of water and the three of us and friends neighborhood, and neighborhoods people who would come over would all just take our little turn dunking in our feet. Um, we walked to school about seven or eight blocks. And um, in those years, there were, Board games. There was jump rope. There was stick ball in the road. There was nothing glamorous and elaborate about we entertained ourselves. And so Michael and I were just part of the neighborhood group. I don't remember any one distinction about him playing in those years. But when we walked to school and gathered in the in the playground, the big cement playground. We would all go in as elementary students into the big assembly. And there we sat with our classrooms and we sang patriotic songs every single morning. Started off with a pledge, the national anthem, sometimes America the Beautiful. And often we sang a song that um, as I looked back over the years, I thought may well have been something that influenced Michael. And that was the song called Stout-Hearted Men. Um, Some of you who are in our age bracket, which uh, in my case is 79. (laughs) And we are the stout-hearted men. I forget the way it goes. The the words are, give me some men who are stout-hearted men who will fight for the rights they adore. Start me with 10 who are stout-hearted men and I'll soon give you 10000 more." And at the time, we sang that with great interest and great enthusiasm. We were expected to, and we did, and the whole auditorium sang. And I often think to myself, looking back, those words from childhood days were not anything that Michael and I talked about but surely those patriotic songs and that in particular was in his mind over the years. And I think it influenced him as it influenced all of us who were World War II children. Um, That was our elementary school years. Well, certainly Um, dovetails
0: into, uh, into, actually nicely into the Marine Corps hymn.
1: Oh, yes, yes, it probably, yes, it does, great. The idea that men together serve with pride and with honor because they want to, and they help each other maintain their enthusiasm and their interest and their love of country. I really, looking at the situations in the last few years, I wish that we would go back to some of that, of course, but that's for another day. Mm -hmm. And so, Michael and I just grew up in and I don't remember any particular one thing that he was, uh, you know, involved with me other than just playing and doing what kids did in the city, on a city street, in the... When we were, when I was 11 and he was nine, we moved with Teddy and uh, parents, of course, and Suzanne on the way out of the city to Feasterville, which is a suburb. And then life changed just because we had a great big yard and we could do all kinds of other active things. And um, he went through high school, of course, with me, and rather than walk to school, we rode a school bus. And I remember our first days, uh, that was pretty interesting. But the thing I remember about Michael in high school, which is not extremely glamorous, I mean, he did well with his classes and he played football and rah, rah, rah. But as a big sister, I remember, that he was on the wrestling team and it was so disgusting to me that wrestlers <laughs> walked around with a can and spit in this can all the time to maintain it. I never quite understood what a little thing of spit could do to your feet, but I guess the ounce of water is essentially gone if you're a wrestler. Uh, I just have this vision of him with this can, which like, uh, I think if I scratched my brain, I'd think of more glamorous things, but for high school, <laughs> what <do> I remember. <laughs> um, and then, of course, it came time to graduate from high school. I was ahead of him, and uh, what was he going to do, and uh, how was this going to work out for him? Because we were, as I said, a, I would call us a lower middle class family. There was no great Bucket of gold to send Michael to college, or me to college, or any of us. We had to figure out what is going to happen with our lives once we're eight I don't remember the circumstances, but I know that at one point, um, an uncle of ours who was who had been a Marine in his years uh, managed to find um, and encourage Michael to apply to the Naval captain which he did as you and we were all very um, excited because that was a big honor and it was something that the whole family could uh, rally around and talk about and be excited about and um and of course I have to say that mom was excited about it because he was a dashing six foot one kid and he was going to have all these matching uniforms that were very impressive and of course, if you have ever been to Annapolis, the discipline and the formations as they parade or as they gathered in the hall and the yard, I forget the name of the big, big area there, and marched up steps and into the hall and the, and the residential hall. It was all very organized and very formal and very impressive, and you couldn't help but be proud of somebody who was part of all of that, and we were proud of came time to approach the situation, and um, the decision had to be made. You could choose a Navy career, you know, where you're going to choose submarines or or Navy boats or whatever they call them, ships, or where you choose air, Navy air, or where you're going to choose Marines. And um, Michael chose to be a Marine, and he knew full well what any of these careers were going to mean in terms of discipline and in terms of leadership. And uh, he was prepared to do that and glad to do that. And we as a family were proud for him to do that too. I think the real surprise was not so much that he chose Marines. Look at it as our surprise was that within the Marine options, he chose heavy armor. I remember either to myself, Heavy armor. I mean, I'm a girl, you know. What do I know about heavy armor? (laughs) So I came to find out quickly, of course, because he went, where was the base? Was it Fort Knox? Yes. I don't know where. Fort Knox for the tankers. Fort Knox for tankers, yep. And once he got there, then I quickly found out what it means, heavy armor. Uh, And so um, I tried to absorb all of that as my, uh, you could relate to this tree, as my six-foot-one or whatever height he was, brother, mm-hmm. trying, I was picturing, I never saw it, but I was picturing him framing his body into a tent. <laughs> right? That may or may not work too comfortably, but, you know, yep. decisions are made, accommodations uh, are made, and things happen. So uh, when I came to understand what that really meant, I really you chose this okay well good for you you know so he did all that training and then people may know or not that he uh, went on then to go to the monterey language school and that added of course to his whole career and my impression at the time was well good now he'll go to Monterey, and he'll learn to speak Chinese, and then he'll be a diplomat or something. Well, then, of course, the war was in the midst of meeting everybody on every site at every job, and uh, his orders came through from Vietnam. So um, That's the sequence events there, and um, along the way, you accept, because that's his choice. He's a man. And you say, "Well, God speed," and we wish you well, and hope that things go as well as they possibly can. So, um, through it all, he wore these uniforms, which were striking. You men look dashing when you're dressed up, in- even if even if you're in the field and you're wearing your greens and your grays and whatever their shades are. <laughs> yeah. you- you have those caps and you're distinctive because you are the people who wear these uniforms yeah. no one wears them who has not chosen to wear them and who does not wear them with respect so uh, uniforms were always part reminding us of what Michael chose for his life yeah, yeah. Um, well shall we um, if we're
0: I'm sorry go ahead pardon no no go ahead please
1: no I was just—I was just going to be efficient and not take up too much time and go ahead to the next sort of uh, suggested um, topic that you've given us, which is mm-hmm.
2: what shows. Oh, you're just going to go all the way through. Well, I was going mm-hmm. to
0: have—I was going to have Ted and and uh, Suzanne catch up.
1: So, oh, that's excellent. Okay, it, if that's I okay. Think, because I'll be learning things.
0: Yeah, there you go. There you go. And, and just, so, just so you know, Judy, uh, as much as six foot one doesn't fit real well in a tank, neither does six foot seven. Oh, my word, Tree! I knew you had your
1: nickname for a reason, but <laughs> really, you yourself into those spaces is just remarkable. And, and it's true dedication if you're willing to do that and not say at oh, the first day, whoa, 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 whoa not me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah,
0: but they were fun. And, and you know what? biggest kick of all was we got to ride and everybody else walked
1: well there if you want to put a good turn on it that's a good thought <laughs> <laughs> I'm good that. Go. Okay. But, yes.
2: okay my memories of Mike uh, since Judy took up most of the time she killed the batteries <laughs> that uh, Mike was a clown he always used to like make funny faces uh, you can see we're very close family here when we do things. We just, you know, whoever can pick on first, whoever first. first right? If most photographs were taken him. he would never be serious. He'd always have some kind of a smirk on his face or, you know, do something, you know, fouling up his face. Uh, so that's the one of my memories. But he also liked to do pranks. And one thing he would do, Sue so he liked to talk highly of him, you know, I'm the youngest guessing those things. But uh, he used to prank, but actually both of us did but and harass Sue. One of our favorite things were to take a uh, take Sue and wrap her up in a blanket, or not a blanket, but a rug, push oh, across, and she would start, you know, carrying on. And so we got a lot of fun out of doing those things. Uh, but on the, the other side of him, Mike and I were both acolytes at the church that we went to, and then we were being uh, communion assistants. Which was a good thing to do. There's some pictures of us with our white, right, white cassocks, or I'm sorry, red cassocks, and the white top on top of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got the claustrophobia, and you know, Judy was talking about playing. When we finally moved to Feasterville, all the kids in the neighborhood, we'd all play together, boys and girls, and we would play, you know, hide to paddle. So you, you know, this was done at night, mm-hmm. and you know, they got it, you could go over and smack somebody on the on the rear end with that. <laughs> Yeah, that was our typical thing. I remember one time he took one of our neighbors. They had a Volkswagen, and he and maybe one other guy, they turned it sideways in their driveway. Uh, you know, as being a, a uh, not clowning around, yet. he was also a clown on top of everything else. He'd be an instigator, and but that was always fun. Uh, so the, the biggest things, I guess, you know, being the youngest of the three of us at this particular time. They're the biggest things I can remember, uh, one great thing that we did, uh, my dad was a great gardener, and one of the things in life was to go out and get a, a dump truck that he borrowed, and we went and got cow manure. So this is a really classic type thing, having you know, sophistication. We asked our dad if we could ride in the back of the truck at the time, and of course our dad being you know, kind of a clown also, yeah, sure, sons, you can do that. So we rode. This great big load of cow manure and came on back, and uh, then we got to the point where we had to dump the dump truck. So, you know, one of the funnest things to do, or the you know, uh, important thing to do, is let's ride in the back of the truck as the body goes up. So, it was always a great thing to do. So, my dad lifted it up. We opened up the tailgate, and out we came with this pile of calvino. Oh, thank God it wasn't juicy or all those types <laughs> of things. <laughs> Oh, my word. We wrote it down uh, out right at the back of the, the, the tailgate, which was up. And of course, one of my mom's favorite saying was, was with him: "Now, don't get the boys started. <laughs> they last too long." There were times when he'd come back and you're swinging into the, the academy real quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, of course, being six one, and I wasn't nearly that big.
1: My dad wow. would say,
2: "Yeah, you know." You know what your what your brother said about you? I say to myself, yeah, I'm going to get my ass kicked. So I, he'd be moving the furniture out of the way. And, of course, once again, my mom's favorite saying, like, don't get those boys started. And of course, when this thing would happen. You know, you never back down. I knew I was going to get, you know, whooped. Yeah. But you never back down and, you know, have a tap out with them. So that was uh, some of the fun things that he always said he did. In a nutshell, the things that I can remember in the growing up stage, again being, you know, the uh, four years younger than he is, or three years, whatever, that uh, it always kind of you know make you work a little harder, which was another thing. We'd go over to our uncle's house a couple miles away, and you know, let's run over there. Let's you know work a little harder and and get over there. Uh, And one thing that came to my mind was we'd all sled together down this woods that were. and you know you, you're trying to dodge between trees on a on a sled, and uh, sometimes we were successful, and several times we weren't. But it was the kind of fun things as kids. There wasn't anything that was in our growing up that was out of line and later. It's just here's what we did. Yeah. So in his younger years, that's what you know the things that the things that I can remember. You know, particularly you know, the counting thing always sticks to your mind for some reason. Yeah, those fun things. I was going to ask you, when did your mom finally let
0: you back into the house?
1: After I, after I hosed them down, I
2: think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <of> probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sue's going to talk about the water place. I forgot about that. So I'm going to turn it over to Sue. That's my memories of, of Mike. Okay. For the most-
1: well, hi, Susie. Hey. hey, brother.
0: How are you? I'm pretty good, sis. How are you?
1: Good. So, um, other than Judy, Ted and I are younger than Michael, but I'm I'm nine years younger than him, which is really, when you think about it, pretty significant. Um, So, he was a stronger personality in my life, surrounded by very strong personalities. Um, So, I was his little sister. And I was talking to Judy and, and Ted today and you have seen me, I mean, I'm built like Michael, I mean, like, you know, I'm six foot and whatever. Mm-hmm. So he is the first person in my life who really consistently spoke to me about standing up straight. Yeah. Um, and our dad did a little bit too, but it was really Michael, um, And what's interesting for me is that um, his shirts from the Academy fit me perfectly because, uh, you know, we've met, I have very broad shoulders Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, I often look at myself and my build as that um, I'm kind of physically a, uh, I don't know, a female Michael. So, um so I don't have a lot of the the memories that Judy and Ted do about growing up with Michael because you know look I mean I was 9 years old when he went to the academy and I was 13 when he graduated so I don't have a lot of the the fun kind of things that they have but I do have the image of him as being my older brother and wow look at him you know and mom and dad did have a flagpole and i did put the flag up pretty regularly with michael and and remember that it was on it was near the mimosa tree i know the pole but i didn't know you were involved Yeah, yeah yeah so we did put the flag up and um all I can remember, again, because of my age, that I was looking at this person, never ever in my mind, thinking that ever anything would happen to him yeah. other than glory. Yeah. Not the kind of glory that he had. But, you know. yeah. Anyway, that's that's yeah. what I have to say about the kind of brother. And I dream about him every night. what was going on in
0: your lives when Michael was at the Academy and, and then entered into the Marines
1: I, I, assume, well,
0: I, have, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I assumed that he was at the it, 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 uh, yeah in and out at, at Annapolis and he would come home for for holidays and and summers and that sort of thing well
1: as I think I already uh, used my time talking about Teddy, <laughs> reminding people, the Academy is a very disciplined place. So it isn't, we have children now in college and if you want to go visit, you call them and you say, what do you do in so-and-so weekend? We'll come down. The Academy had a very definite schedule. So if he came home, it was on the Academy schedule. What I remember is uh, Michael coming home with a few of his friends after the Army-Navy game. Yeah. But that was for a visit of a couple of hours because they were expected to go back and attend the, you know, the events that were going on. Usually the games were held in Philadelphia, so it was convenient for our family to meet some of Michael's friends and then for Michael to come home and then go back and do what was expected. Um, but that... That, in addition to the idea that Summers, they had their prescribed um, um, duties that they did on, on very small uh, vessels to learn the ins and outs of the Navy. And um, I that he was doing those things, but I, I didn't know any details. But um, what I know about Michael going to the Naval Academy is that he abandoned me. Because I was dating my future husband, uh-huh. and he and my future husband, who is now my husband, Bruce, were friends, from school and from church. They were? They knew each other. Yes. I never knew that. I forgot all that. Yep. Yeah. Well, we all went to the same high school, you know. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm one of these people that met my husband in whatever year, and that's it. You know, we've been... been whatever it was. 1495 years. <laughs> 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 Michael abandoned me because he would have protected me from the harassment of Suzanne and Who <laughs> Snuck around to see what we were doing in the car out front, who snuck around into the living room to see why we were sitting so close together on the couch. They gave me no peace. And Michael would have been my defender. So that's what I know about the Naval Academy. <laughs> I know, but here's the important thing. When you think about, about military maneuvers, right? Head I would go out the back door, right? Yep. We would like sneak down in the dark all the way around the back of the house, down the block, right? And then come and come up on them. And <laughs> Michael was giving us guidance the entire time. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Suzanne, stoop a little, you know, lower because you're so tall. So
2: tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah so tall. But the thing was, once we sneak up there, you couldn't see in the windows. Oh, actually, no, no.
1: <laughs> Don't you discuss my life. <laughs> 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 All I are zipping. Yes. Well, in spite of their efforts to uh, harass and my husband was very persevering, and we, uh, we married um, the year before Michael graduated from the Academy, and Michael was in the wedding, and that's what I remember about the Academy. He was there. He was in his uniform. He was at our wedding. He, you know, he was part of the whole excitement of it all. And so he was just one of the, one of my brothers who participated in my life. And, oh, yes, he happened to go to the Naval Academy. Oh, well, uh, some people do and some people don't. <laughs> so,
2: Oh, Ted, how about you? Well, let's see. I'm trying to think what <clears throat> was going on in my life when Mike went to the Academy in the Marines. I was still in high school, graduated high school in 64. Uh, That's 1964, not uh, 1864. <laughs> okay, good for that, yeah. You know, don't you hate being our age? <clears throat> and you yeah. have to put in the computer. And what age were you born? And you have to spin the dial back and you spin it again. And you spin it again, it, you get back to the, the year you're born. Uh, <clears throat> after graduating from high school, I worked for the local township for a year. And then I went off to, uh, wound up going to community college for two years and got an engineering type of a uh, short degree. Uh, and after that, and this is all going on here within the academy, I started to work for RCA over in Highstown, New Jersey. And I worked on a TV camera and I worked on the Apollo TV camera. Over. So, those things were and So, it was between working and you know what was going on with college, so, certainly got involved going to the academy when we were able to go down there. And it was certainly excited to see everybody all uh, in their uniforms and, you know, yes sirs and no sirs, and that never really set too well into my life uh, with my <laughs> characteristics that I'm like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Going to the uh, Army Navy game that was the same years that uh, Roger Staubach was there, yeah. and he went, you know down there at the academy, and the Army went all around him, ready to tackle. And all of a sudden, you'd see this hand come up, and he'd chuck a pass downfield, and it would be caught. And you, you have to think, how did he survive that? Yeah. But uh, and certainly, you know, with all that, you met, we met. At least I'll, I'll just keep it to myself so many really great guys who went to the Academy yeah. and, uh, and we had some really close relationships that way. And they continued afterwards for, um, in fact, they still do, yeah. uh, with talk folks with the Academy. Sure. So that's, you know, what was kind of really going on in my life relative to him at the Academy and then going in the Marine Corps. Uh, there's something like Judy was saying too about the Marine Corps uniforms, the dress uniforms and the like, Yeah. Uh, So that's what was kind of going on in my life. Okay, that's about... Susie? Susie, how about you?
1: And I have to remind everyone that, oh, I am the baby of the family. (laughs) And I was only nine years old when he went to the academy, Mm -hmm. and I was 18 years old when he graduated. And so what was I doing? I was riding and playing tense and forth with the Mobley brothers when he was at the academy. And, you know, I was a tomboy and I was climbing trees and my cousin Mary Jane and I were running back and forth between, you know, her father and our house, which they were the two. We were going back and forth, which was like a mile, you know, and, you know, I never even thought. All right, he was at the academy. Okay, well, you know, that was that. And then in between it three, I was fighting with Ted. You know? Because
2: <laughs> no, you know, no. Ted and
1: I Ted and I we had some good fights. But they were <laughs> loving fights. There. Oh yeah, they were over like who was gonna carry the money to the store. Right, and you know, little, you know, silly little things. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were, they were. <laughs> you know, they didn't. That's because Ted's room was wired. He, you, you could not enter Ted's room unless you had a special passcode, <laughs> because he was into all this stereo equipment and everything, and his room was like. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, when Michael started to bring, you know, the guys home from the academy, I was in with every midshipman he brought home. I didn't care who it was. <laughs> you know, well, you know, 11, 12 years old, sure. you know, yeah. and it was thrilling when he would bring them home. Um... And, you know, he would always ask me about my grades. And he called me String Bean because I was a string bean. You know? yeah. And he would always say to me, you know, just make certain that you always think about yourself and stand up straight. And, you know, yeah. so he said that all the time.
0: So, guys, what what was your mom and dad's reaction to Michael deciding? I mean, I, I, they absolutely had to be proud of him going to Annapolis. But, but then he decided to to go into the Marines. Did your did your mom and dad have a preference? Did they prefer that he go to the Navy, the Marines? Did they? You know, how, how'd that work out? I don't really think they, in
1: particular, had a preference. I think they were part of the general discussion. Would it be Navy? Would it be Navy Air? Would it be Marine? And I think I already commented that I think we were all, well, I shouldn't say all, but I was surprised, and I think Mom was surprised that he chose heavy armor. I don't think none of us truly understood what that meant. I think Mom, again, was, impressed with the idea that she could say she had a son who was a Marine. And uh, and then we had an uncle, as Sue mentioned, he had been a Marine, and he was also proud of that whole word and all, it, all the connotation that it has about being uh, a strong person, about being a person who has uh, discipline, about being a person who loves to country and so I think in general they were very pleased that he chose Marines and as as Sue said we met a lot of fine men as a result of this. The outcome for Michael was tragic but for us as a family we met some really fine people and um, we've been in touch with these people and It's an inspiration, even though we don't talk to it all the time, talk to that topic all the time to ourselves. It carries over in your personality what inspires you. And I think we pass that on to our kids and the grandkids that this marine tradition is part of your family. You know, the big thing now is check your ancestry. Well, yes, that's all to know where you're great-grandparents came from, but your ancestry is also the influence that people in our lives have had on us, and I think that the kids know that they may not themselves yet at their ages know a person who wears the Marine uniform, but they know of people, and they know the tradition of people who have been in our family's lives, and it's uh, an uplifting thing. You don't know when the word Marine first enters your life, but you come to understand it as time goes on. Yeah,
0: yeah. And of course, we have the best look on uniforms.
1: Absolutely. And stunning, stunning men wear those.
2: There's just
0: no doubt
2: about that. Yeah. Can I ask you? Yeah, please do. Yeah, I just want to go back to that same subject about uh, the Academy and the Marines. Uh, I talked about being involved with the uh, follow TV camera and uh, some other projects there. Mm-hmm. RCA had a cutback on folks, uh, which I was laid off at 21. Like, I really didn't care. But I went down to uh, work at the night vision equipment center down at Fort Belvoir. So I was working in night vision equipment through all this stuff, which was really exciting things. Research and development still in my bones, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I wound up being, I had the army trying to keep me out of the army. I was drafted. So they went up to the presidential board with letters, colonels writing letters, you know, don't take him because he's doing much more stuff relative to defense Mm -hmm. rather than a a rifle in his arm. Mm -hmm. Uh, saying this due to what happened later on, the things we're going to discuss. So I was drafted and I wasn't able to continue research and development so it's yeah. just a little comment with that which leads into other things later on in our discussion yeah
0: well let me, let me just share with you that uh, my wife's uncle uh was never uh during world war ii uh he was exempt uh he was working on the manhattan project at the time and so Ooh. uh ah. yeah. he he never you know he he worked at uh uh, China Lake, and down in uh, uh, New Mexico, and, and uh, later on, he he did some work with uh, with the side. He and he and a friend of his actually designed the Sidewinder. But uh, so yeah, no, I you know there's a, there, there, you, know, you, you do you, I, I'm I'm impressed, Ted. I'm really impressed that you know those are valuable. I'll tell you what, night vision, who, yeah. <laughs> I could I could kiss your feet. There was more than one time I I liked night vision. Believe me.
2: So we, were in, we were doing aerial surveillance, so we had lasers. We had all sorts of stuff equipped on Huey uh, to do what we had to do. Yeah. Uh, laser designation and things. So it was just exciting, exciting areas. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It,
0: it, it, and it's still,
2: they're getting better all the time,
0: from what I understand. Of course. So. Absolutely. So let's see here. Uh, listeners may not know that I have a special connection with your family. Uh, the, uh, your brother was my CO. And uh, he was unique in many respects. Uh, he, uh, We've had many a CO that never quite made it to the field. Uh, your brother, Mike, was never, <laughs> that, that was a, Never afraid of that. He was out with us all the time. Uh, he 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 was loved by pretty much everybody I t- I've talked with. Um, he was a a breath of fresh air when when it came to uh, a, a company commander, and and while he was always, I mean, we always uh, observed uh, chain of command decorum, however you want to say that. Um, he was he was uh, within that within that uh, framework a friend uh, to not just, you know, he was, was kind of like head of a family. I don't, it's not quite that way, but, but uh, you know, it was, that, that was, um, uh, that was um, a, a truly a remarkable, remarkable guy. Um, and uh, let's see, you know, uh, of course, Captain Wunsch was, was killed in July of 69. And here we are talking about him more than 50 let's see, 50 years later with, with his family in particular. And, and I understand you guys are very close. And I know that this is a family story. So I want to ask you if you could talk a little bit about what is important for listeners to know about the family. The day that news of Michael's death arrived and the family that, that goes on today.
1: Well, it's a day that you don't forget. I don't have to tell you people that. Um, I was, as I said earlier, married. Bruce and I already had a son, and our daughter was born in May, just before Michael died. I um, was, of course, consumed with that. The fall came, The call, telephone call came from Mom. We lived in New Jersey in, in an apartment. Um, I had diapers in the days when mothers washed diapers. They were not disposable. I had baby clothes and diapers down in the laundry room. I ran down there crying. My girlfriend at the time saw me. She came down to follow. I told her what happened. She followed me home and helped us pack up and drive home to Victorville, which was about an hour's drive, a little more. Um, Of course, the three-year-old son didn't quite grasp what was happening. He just knew everybody was upset and was saying, Well what 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 happened? What happened? Unfortunately, he only had the opportunity at his young age to meet Michael once or twice before Michael went to Vietnam. In fact, he was even younger because Michael spent a year prior to Vietnam in California at the language school. Right. So he didn't really know this person. He didn't know what was happening. He just knew we were upset. So we packed up and drove home and I I um, I remember that I was in a a, uh, a great distress with my bowels. I will say that because it struck me right it was like gut punch. If there ever was a gut punch, and um, I, I I just I just remember the whole the whole distressful thought and how could this happen. You're wondering, how could this happen? And it did happen. And then you don't really know where to place it in the scheme of things. Is this God's fault? Whose fault? It has to be somebody's fault. Did I do something wrong? Well? Did I not treat him well? Did uh, you, you just don't know what to think about it. It's a big, humongous, distressful time and a big mess. And of course, came home and saw Suzanne Um, Coming back from, you know, being with Michael's wife, Diane, and my parents, uh, the neighborhood, it it was just a major, huge day. And in the midst of it all, I had this baby and a three-year-old that I was trying to take care of. So, in the meantime, they've grown up and they have children. We talk about it um, on occasion. I can't pretend. I won't pretend that we talk about him all the time. But when you talk about history or what happened or some funny little thing that comes up, of course, we mention. And um, you you can't help but wonder where his children would be because they would be the age of ours. We have a grandson who's only two years younger than Michael was when he was killed. So time has gone by and we try to keep as well as we can the family aware of the service. I like to emphasize the service, the decision that was made, the value of what happened so his was taken. You want to pass on the idea that this is an honorable, valuable commitment to make Our son became an Air Force guy. He served. um, My husband was in Thailand during the Vietnam War while our son was growing up, his first year of his life. And we did things, and that is what you do for your country when you are devoted and dedicated. And so I'm pleased to be part of these podcasts, and I'm hoping that I can encourage the. College kids to go in and listen to these stories and learn from them and take valuable. Let me let me take you back for just a second, Judy. You mentioned
0: yes. the neighborhood. So yes. so Mike was well known, not just not just by name, but but his personality, his his what he was doing. Oh
1: yes, oh yes. Oh, yes. We lived in a we lived in a suburban neighborhood. We had all played together when we first moved to that to that neighborhood and so everybody knew everybody knew what everyone else's children were doing. Everybody knew that Michael would, you know, was at the academy. Everybody was aware when he was home, because of course mom and dad told people Michael's coming home, he's and his friends. Um, he, he he was part of the neighborhood in terms of um, because our dad was the kind of guy which Teddy has turned into be a helping. Neighbor. We weren't neighbors and stuff in our homes. We were neighbors if there was a snowstorm, if there was a, a, a toilet that had to be repaired. And Michael and Dad and Ted, we were all part of this. People knew Michael's personality. They knew you know they know Ted. They knew it was a community of people who cared for each other and so they were also stricken when this news came i mean they they just couldn't believe it in fact the one neighbor across the street was one of the drivers that went out to get michael's wife with suzanne at college she was uh in westchester and the neighbor just never i'm sure gave a second thought to it he heard the tragedy he got in the car he drove dead dad was in no shape to drive right. and um, Suzanne went with them and and at his funeral I don't really know I wish we had counted how many people the the priest we we belong to the Lutheran church but I will tell you this the priest was aware of Michael and our family because of this man, mm-hmm. our neighbor who dad to get Diane the priest was very familiar with our family and he came and, and people who were marginally involved were there at the funeral because of Michael's personality, the family, the, the community. It, it was a very moving situation for those weeks. Um, in fact, I don't know if we've mentioned, but mom and dad planned a party on August eighth for his homecoming from oh. Vietnam oh. This day
0: of his funeral. Oh. It was it was overwhelming in so many ways. See okay. I, the, the point that I wanted to that I'd like our listeners to to really grasp is it's not just the individual, it's not just the family, it's the neighborhood the lives that your brother touched and and, and the resulting uh, the result of his death rippled through so many people and yet you know on a, on a day-to-day basis i don't know that many people think about that just you know the the tens or maybe hundreds of people that were affected by by this one individual's death um, and, and, and that's why I think these are so important because there are so many people that we don't really hear about, know about, that are affected by this. And so, um, I mean, I, I just appreciate you guys doing this. It so. uh, is valuable.
1: Thank you. Well, well, and it's generations also, tree yeah. that hear about this wonderful man that never knew him and... Judy and Ted and I, and well, mom and dad have passed away, but you know, we're blessed to having known him. And you know, the kids, I think, the kids wish that they had known him because Michael Wunsch was a wonderful man. He had the gift, the gift of connecting to people. And as you said earlier, Trey, he can. He connected with the men in his in his company. He connected, I'm sure, with the officers that he had to deal with, and he he was just that type of personality. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Ted,
0: uh, were you at home at that t- at the time that the that the uh, that the folks came to visit?
2: Uh, no. back you know, when when I got the message. I started to talk about uh, working in night vision equipment and the Army trying to keep me out of the Army. Uh-huh. Well, before we had the time, once they had you, you were going to go. And you know, like I said, I went over the presidential board to get a deferment, and that didn't work out. So I was stationed up in uh, New Hampshire at the Cold Regions Research Engineering Lab up there. And then I started. I got away from the uh, night vision equipment. Displacement of 80 millimeter mortars oh. is what I was, so was all sorts of specialized uh, deflection of how much, you know, uh, soil moves. So we shoot off 80 millimeter mortars. Of course, it was a tube filled with water and various number of propellants coming out of that. Yeah. So I was serving in the Army by that time. And my mom called up and told me what had happened. And I don't think it was in... I'm not sure how long it took, but I just headed home. I didn't go to the base. And there really wasn't a base up there. Uh, That's where Dartmouth College is also. So if you could wear something like a uniform, that was pretty close. And everybody had some kind of degree up there and working in research and development there. So when mom called up, I just left uh, and just headed on home with my wife. Uh, And that was, you know, we try to remember what was going on, but everything just kind of... losing battery. Oh, she's losing battery. I'll have to hold on a second. This is going to plug in yeah, come over. Come over here.
1: Migrating. Yeah. Migrating to the plug. Yes.
2: Yeah. So, right, Ted. So, so, really remembering the ride home, I know it was very quiet, but uh, I think I were the land, uh, land, speed, uh, whatever it's called. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. getting this, what I'm saying, the speed record. Uh, so he made it from Hanover, New Hampshire, down to futureville in X number of hours. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the thing's just chewing on my mind, my mom's words, and I don't pass that on to anybody. That's, that's pride within my heart, with what she told me. Uh, but of course, certainly the shock was just kind of like the shot that's thrown around the world in my own being. And just being at home there and, you know, talking about the number of people that were involved, and number of lives that were touched. We went up to the cemetery and certainly a lot of Mike's buddies from the academy were all there. And the I think that the traffic had to back up almost a mile. There was that many people that uh, just came to, you know, to be there for the family and the knew him and just at that day and age, that's what it was, you know, it wasn't taken for granted. And certainly it, it happens today too with guys that are killed overseas. So we're just not an anomaly like having that. Uh, but <coughs> I, oh, I know what you're saying. No, I want to make sure that this is, yeah, um, I'm good so All right, sorry about the little delay there. No, no, that's okay. Uh, but when we came back for the funeral... And I forgot that mom and dad already had a, a party planned for Mike on coming home and just resulting into the day of the funeral. But when you're home for a couple of weeks and it's still sitting in your mind and after a while, I just get the feeling, it's not like, I wish people would just leave us alone and we know they're there to be supportive and everything that was, you know, in their own minds of trying to support internally, you just think, I just want to have a moment of quiet. Just want to have some moments of silence to, to digest everything that was going on, uh, so that was just and Sue and Junior just talking about you know the impact on our kids and grandkids today. Uh, he got pregnant when we were home from Mike's funeral. Uh, you know the body keeps on ticking, yeah. and uh, so our <laughs> son. <laughs> so <laughs> really, your <laughs> <do> brother?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the abuse I take, have to take my sisters. Uh, it's terrible. Yeah. So, but it's, uh, I just. Oh, oh, happy, happy day!
2: day. <laughs> oh, just, I, could, I could just cry oh, and have her sisters, like, oh my God. would be here,
1: he'd be like saying, said, it's all
2: good, It's all good, yeah. Like, He's <laughs> probably up and down saying, boy, I'm glad I got out of there. Yeah. So. <laughs> He got pregnant, and we named our son after Mike. So it's Michael Charles Wunsch the second. So it's not a second. And you know, there are times we think, you know, should we have done that? But you know, nine months right after the funeral, or after your brother's killed, you know, your mind doesn't think particularly clear. And you know, there have been times, quite frankly, should we have named him after Mike, or shouldn't we? Uh, but you know, life goes on, and back to where. All the kids, the grandkids, all know of Mike, and we don't certainly, you know, keep that kind of conversation up all the time. But there are times that you need to know what he was like as a brother, and what it is to lose someone in your family that's very close. And, you know, there's been several times I've been around some other groups of guys, and somebody make a comment relative to about the war, and I've had other friends like, you know, don't hit him. You know, just hold yourself. Don't, don't hit him. And uh, there's been times too when I've been out, when I was still working, this happened. And something happened. i started hitting trees as hard as I could. Not, not you, sir. Trees yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, thank you. But you know, the back guys on, on telephone, I hit them as hard as I could. Yeah. And thank God I didn't break anything. But the memory is still there. Yeah. And you yourself so, at least for me, it's like, thank God I knew him. Thank God brought, God brought him into my life. And we share the things we shared. And here I am, 74 years old. Mm. You're an old sports. Yeah. And Judy's going to be 79, closer to 80 than she uh, is to 60. Uh, uh, Great. Get... Was... We're,
1: we're interrupting this. <laughs> uh, anyway,
2: and I would never, ever say anything derogatory toward my sister. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> Just ask me, and I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: is on the agenda, so we're not totally, like, taking this over. Uh, actually, I, let's, if, if you don't mind, could
0: we touch briefly on um, uh, Michael's legacy? As you, as you look back now, um, you've talked a little bit about your families and, and whatnot. Um, how, how has his legacy, or how has his life, as you look now, impacted or or affected your lives?
2: Yes. Sue wants to talk about something. Yeah, Susan. Yeah, Susan. Sure, please. All the time. Well,
1: hold on now. Yeah. I have to find uh, my notes. Take your time. Uh, all right, tree. I'm looking at. Uh, well, I have this all printed out. His legacy, right? Yes. So you're about what the family is today? Yes, please. Well, unfortunately for me, um, I didn't actually make a family of my own. I didn't have any children. Um, and I think part of it was, um, you know, for whatever reasons, you know, when Michael you know, was killed, that was a really devastating, you know very devastating experience. So I'm not certain that I wanted to have children that that potentially that would happen to. And um yeah, I mean it's uh and I also was dealing different than Ted and Judy. I was there with mom and dad, right? After Michael was killed, right. I dealt with all of the nasty, you know, yeah. arguments and and really such dark things that weren't surprising to happen. Yeah. But um, yeah. So, uh, uh, Suzanne,
0: how old were you when uh, the notification officer came? I was sixteen. Sixteen, yeah, and so you, uh, you had to help pick up the pieces at, at that point. I'm sorry, that's a poorly phrased way of putting it. I apologize, but but you, you you how 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 did you deal with your mom and dad on that day? Well, I'll
1: read you. And um, I'm only going to read you the first paragraph of what I read when I was there, you know, in 2016. Yeah. So, all right. So, a young girl had moved the kitchen chairs into the living room so she could scrub, scrub the kitchen floor. As she returned the chairs, she noticed an unmarked car pull up in front of the house. Two uniformed. Two uniformed military gentlemen approach the door. She opens the door. There are screams. The mother falls down the last steps of the upstairs. Attempt to console, but soon return to the car and pull away. The father pulls into the driveway. The mother runs out and falls on the ground on top of the crab crabapple, apples under the tree. The father sits in the car, sobbing uncontrollably. The young girl sits on the outside steps down the street where the car just appeared. The pork chops burn and the pan sticks to the electric burner. So, that's, that's what happened that day at the house. And the only reason that happened is because Diane, who is Michael's neighbor, told the Marines that they had to come from Mom and Dad's
0: house. Otherwise,
1: Mom and
0: Dad would have only gotten a telegram. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Suzanne, you can't probably see it. You probably can't feel it, but there's a big hug your way. Yeah. Wow.
1: Well, I want... and you know, we all had You know, we all had the notification in different ways. You yeah. know, yeah. And the thing really, seriously, was after that, I lived with them, yeah. and you know, mom and dad really disintegrated. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Yeah. No, I I, I understand. Um, my mom lost. Our youngest sister died in a car accident. I, I, I have some sense of what it's like to see a parent in those circ- under those circumstances. So, yeah, I I understand. Um, I, you know, I want to I want to really thank you all. I, I know this is difficult, uh, and, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I, I am. Hopeful that our listening audience can really appreciate uh, your contributions. I, I, I want you to know, and I know I've told you, sis, that y- y- you know your family is part of our family. You are part of the United States Marine Corps Vietnam Tankers Association. You are as family as anybody, and and I, I want you to to know that. We all think about you, we all love you very, very much, and, and if there's anything you ever need, uh, you send me an email, pick up a phone, whatever it is, Ted, Judy, this is for everybody, pick up a phone, call me, email me, whatever, and, and uh, you're a little far across the country, but I can still be there in 24 hours, believe me.
1: Still. So, so, Tree, to um, end this, we have a poem that Judy is going to read that Michael wrote.
2: I just want to add something. Wait, Tree, I just okay. want to add something to the family that I know I'm part of now. Uh, I was out in uh, Las Vegas in 2007, and I was adopted by the Marine Corps. I was in the Army, but... You know, they kind of gave me whatever, they crossed their names and said, oh, I'm an yeah. you're now one of the Marines, part of our family. Yeah. And I've got close relationships with fellows that, you know, were your brother, and they've they emphasized it so many times, and I feel that. Yeah. And I tell folks, hey, I'm a Marine Corps brother. Yeah. You know, and they ask, well, you never no, but I was adopted by the Marines. And what you're saying exactly carries in my heart daily. I get a chance to send some emails to these different guys and we had some nice conversations and it was awesome. So I just want to add that and I appreciate what you're saying.
1: Make certain. How are we doing? Um, Michael, we did mention in our discussion was also a writer and a poet and he wrote this in high school and it was submitted to the Pennsylvania high school, um, poetry. Contest and it was published in, his, in the Pennsylvania. The, ty- the poem is called Shadows. I slowly flashed suspicious eyes to see a sleuth whose presence I have felt all day. What is this lurking omen that I say is like detective playing games with me? An evil thing I'm sure it cannot be this balmy day of mist in month of May. O oh Lord, if death it be, to thee I pray to help me. I shall pay most any fee. But wait, excited really should I get this stranger, yet I have not met or seen. I'm not sure if he's intending fun. As footsteps quicken, now on ground I've met my shadow that reflects so crisp and clean I spin
0: and face my foe, the shining sun. So we thank
1: you all for listening
2: to us, and thank you for the opportunity. Thank, oh, the, God wants the, America.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it is time to wrap up episode 14. I want to express my sincere appreciation to Judy, Ted, and Suzanne for appearing here. We have become brothers and sisters ever since the night I fought side-by-side with a valiant and brilliant company commander, Captain Michael C. Wunsch, and that love and brotherhood continues today. Our next episode, episode 15, will be with the tanker I fondly refer to as Crazy Lima. We should hear some interesting discussion of what most of us called a regular out-of-use frequency referred to as the bullshit frequency. So, my listening audience, come back next time and find out just what is meant by that phraseology. And so it goes.